Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Father, as we approach the study of your word this evening, we do so in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. May our ears be anointed to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes us free. Quicken us according to the word that we hear tonight. Change us from glory to glory. May we all conform to your very image and likeness, that we may be shining lights in a world of darkness and hold forth the word of life to this generation that you've called us to. And we'll be certain to give you all praise, honor, and glory for every heart that has touched, every life that has changed. For you deserve it all. Now, Father, we thank you for your anointing upon all things done tonight. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. We've been talking about living by faith. Anybody need a copy of the notes? Just raise your hand. Living by faith, and this is lesson five. Lesson five on living by faith. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, let's look at a few verses here before we continue our study. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author or the beginner and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross and despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So we're to consider him. You can become weary as you live your life of faith on this side of heaven. But we're not to weary, and we're not to faint. And the only way we can stop that and prevent that is by looking to him as our example. Now, as we continue our study tonight, I want to point out that in case you don't know it, John Moore, who was a writer uh, of songs, in 1988, he wrote a song. It's called Find Us Faithful. Steve Green made it very popular uh, by singing it. I believe that he was inspired to write the song by studying uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and chapter 12. And here's why. As you can see in your notes there, I wrote this out for you. There are two verses of the song. Look at what they say. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race for the prize. But as those who have gone before us, let us leave to those behind us the heritage of faithfulness passed on through godly lives. After all our hopes and dreams have come and gone, and our children sift through all we've left behind, may the clues that they discover and the memories they uncover become the light that leads That should be leads them to the road we each must find. So in other words, when you and I leave this realm of life and our children, should Jesus, of course, tarry his coming, sift through what we have in our homes. Would they find enough evidence in our homes to convict us of being Christians? Would they? Would they see that we love Jesus? Would they find that we love the holy word of God? Would they know that we live the life of faith? Would they realize that we're followers of our Lord closely by all the evidence that we leave behind is the question. 
Because you see, that's really where your Christianity has lived in your home more than anything else. Well, prayerfully, the answer is going to be yes to those questions. They will know that we truly, truly love Jesus. And we served him and we lived a life of faith. Now in Hebrews chapter 11, we talked a little bit about some of the things, but this is put together in such a way that you can take it home, you can study it, and you can develop your own personal Bible study. And every one of these points we're going to make here tonight, you can probably preach a sermon from every single one of them. But we're going to do best we can to get through them real quickly. But to give us an idea of what really faith is all about. It'll define faith, describe faith, reveal to us the characteristics of faith. And let's begin with point one. Faith involves things that are unseen. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is the ability to develop a sixth sense that is not dependent on our five physical senses. Faith takes us beyond this realm of the senses into the realm of the spirit where we view things that are not seen but we embrace them as being true even though our five senses can't prove it. That's what faith is all about. It takes us to another realm. Remember what the Jesus said to Thomas? You believe because you saw. But blessed are those who without seeing believe. God wants us to develop our sixth sense and believe in some things that we don't see, hear, feel, taste, or smell. Point number two, faith gives us an honorable testimony. Look at verse 2. Verse 2. For by it the elders obtained a good report. That's kind of a blind to us. They obtained a great witness. Is a better way of saying it. Well what does he mean by that? If you hear some preachers preach. I don't use the expression a lot myself. I probably never used it that way. But I will say amen and people repeat amen. But some preachers will say can I have a witness? Have you heard them say that? Can I have a witness? And someone shouts out, praise the Lord. Or someone shouts out, amen. When God sees his people on earth, act on his word and trust him and believe him to honor his word and make it good. Know what he says from heaven? A good report is a great witness. He witnesses that by saying, that's my boy. That's my daughter. That's my child. Amen. Can you imagine God giving you a witness? Praise God. Because you trusted him and you acted on his holy written word. Praise God. Number three. Point number three. It explains creation. Look at verse three. Faith explains creation. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. Well what's that saying to us? Faith explains the fact that God designed the universe. He's the one that framed it. He's the one that spoke it into being. And everything that we see in this realm of life came as a result of God framing it and speaking it into existence. Look in the book of Psalms, the 33rd Psalm, verses 8 and 9. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Man, when he gave a decree, said the waters will not pass over. Guess what? The waters don't pass over. When he laid the foundations of the earth and they will not be removed forever, they're not going to be removed. When he said to Job, by what cords does the earth hang in space? When he named all the stars in the sky and spoke them into being and called them out by their name. God spoke. You see, science wants us to believe. Evolutionists wants us to believe that you and I 
came from a molecule and turned from a molecule into a man by some random act of chance. But God says, no. I created man from the dust of the earth and I breathed into his nostril the breath of life and he became a living soul. You see, science without faith leaves us in a hopeless quandary. But science plus faith takes us back to the living God, the creator of all things. See, faith is a powerful, powerful thing. Scientists, they can't go beyond the five senses. If they can't find it under a microscope, then apparently it doesn't exist. But you and I, we don't need that. Why? Because we believe the seen world was created by the unseen world as God spoke everything into being. I'm convinced of it. What about you? Amen. Next, number four. Faith makes our offering acceptable to God. And we see this in the life of Abel. We talked about that last week, but notice here in, in the verse four. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. Notice who's testifying. Notice who's witnessing. God is. And by it, he being dead yet speaketh. No matter how good we think our gift is, if it's not given in faith, it's not acceptable to God. And faith means I do it the way God said to do it. I can, in the Old Testament, offer a blood sacrifice which would be acceptable to God, and he'd receive that. But do you know that in the New Testament, we're supposed to offer up spiritual sacrifices to God acceptable through Jesus Christ? And that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So in other words, we can thank him in faith or just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's when it comes from the heart. You know the difference? I can just say thank you. I'm singing a song. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Or I can from my heart say, oh, how good you are. This is my story. This is my song. Let everybody else sing their song. But my story and my song, I'm praising my Savior all the day long because my eyes have been open and I see clearly. I've got a Savior and my Redeemer liveth. And I'm so thankful that He brought me up out of the miry clay. I'm so thankful He put my feet on solid ground. I'm so thankful I've got an eternity with Him in glory that will never, never, never end. And I will not spend my eternity in a lake of fire and brimstone, but in the beauty of His presence. Oh, hallelujah. Can you thank him for that and offer the sacrifice of praise? Uh, next, number five. It's faith that pleases God. Look at verses five and six. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Enoch began his walk with God at the age of 65 after he had Methuselah, his, first ch- his child. And sometimes you think about this. Whenever you have a child, I've asked people when they had their first child, what did that do to you? How did that change you? How did it change your life? Your attitude toward life. Whether it's a child, your second child, your first grandchild, whoever, it does something on the inside of you. And can it be that Methuselah once had, I'm sorry, Enoch having Methuselah just impacted him in such a way that he began a walk with God, a walk of faith, a walk that said, this is more important to me than anything else in the world 
And he began such a close walk of faith with God that he kept getting closer and closer which, with each year that passed by. Now, we may never have the opportunity to live 365 years. But can, can you imagine each year he got closer and closer in his walk with God until one day he was gone. Translocated here to glory because of his close walk of faith. And you know what? It takes faith to walk close to God. We've got to believe beyond the sight of this world and have expectation that there's greater things on the other side. And that should motivate us and move us to honor him and all that we think and all that we say and all that we do and how we conduct ourselves and how we live our lives. And that's what Enoch did. Next. The next one. Faith can save our family. How important is that to you? Look at verse 7. Faith can save our family. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. It never rained yet. Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. By the which he condemned the world. And became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. I want you to hear this. Noah teaches us how to live godly in an ungodly world. And oh my, do we need to hear that. How do we live righteous in an ungodly world? And godly in an ungodly world. We follow his example. He believed the word of God. He heard the word of God. He received the word of God. He believed the word of God. He spoke the word of God. He acted on the word of God. He didn't compromise the word of God. And as far as he was concerned, any form of criticism he rejected. The critics did not get to him. So imagine this individual by hearing a statement made by God, build an ark, refused to let anything or anyone stop him from doing the project. Through obedient faith, he acted on God's word. And with every form of rejection or every critic that came down the pike, he said, you can think what you want, act like you want. As far as I'm concerned, maybe I've never seen rain, but it doesn't matter. As far as I'm concerned, I believe what God said. I know it was God. I believe what God said. And he acted on it. And guess what happened? With everybody, when everybody else was on the outside of the ark, clamoring to get in, he and his house were in the ark, saved and spared because of one man's faith. I believe you and your whole house can be saved, don't you? And you could be the one to build the ark, walking in love, sharing Jesus, not being overbearing, but in love, speaking the truth, and showing them the right way to live. And I guarantee you, praise God, as the word makes it very clear to us, you and your house shall be saved. And so by faith we can see, you know, the house can be saved. And we can live godly in an ungodly world. Amen. Now, was he perfect? No. But he heard God's voice. He heard God's word. He acted on it through obedient faith and refused any opposition, any voice that was critical of what he was doing. And we can do the same thing as we live our lives. So what does that mean? It means just like him, I can do what God says to do no matter how much opposition comes my way, no matter how impossible the situation might appear to be, no matter how difficult it might appear to be, I can do it because God said I can. And God will do his part if we'll do ours. He'll back us up. Amen. Next, faith doesn't look back. Faith does not look back. Look at verse 7. Or verse 8. 
by faith, Abraham, when he was uh, called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he looked for a city which had foundations whose builder and maker was God. Well, what does this tell us? Abraham was a prosperous, prosperous middle-aged businessman. But God appeared to him and spoke to him and had a plan for his life. Now, Abraham could have rejected what God said, but he didn't. He chose to step up and step out and obey God and do what God would have him to do. And of course, we know that God made a covenant with him. Abraham was a man who, even though he didn't know where he was going, because he heard what God said, that's all that mattered to him. And he set out. Now think about leaving everything that you have behind and just moving to a place where you have no idea where you're going. What does that speak to our hearts? By faith, you and I are called to do something. And that is to become the people that God wants us to be. If it means leaving everything else behind, I'm setting out to become the person that God wants me to be. And wherever he'll send me, that's where I'll go. I remember when I was called to leave my job, my position, and go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to school. And I remember how my foreman didn't want me to leave and said, please stay here. Just take a leave of absence. Go down there. Come on back. Your job will be waiting for you. The meal was running fantastically. We worked six and seven days a week making very good money. But you know, God knows the future, doesn't he? I said to my boss, I said, you know what? I just know in my spirit I'll never be back here. I'll never walk through these doors ever again. I appreciate your care and concern for my life and my family, but I just know that I won't. So there's no sense in me taking a leave of absence. And so I took off. And of course, God knew within a couple of years, the mill shut down. This as many other mills around the nation shut down. I would have lost my job and position anyhow. You see, when you step up and step out and you go to where God wants you to go, yeah, maybe you have no idea. Where do I go from here? I'm going to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Where do I go from there? Just know that God spoke. Act on what God said to do, and that's faith. Step out and let God do his part. And I'm telling you right now, he will do his part. So when we hear God speaking, telling us to do something, just like he told him to leave, be willing to become the person that God wants you to be by allowing him to have full access to your life. And I do believe that more than anything else, my decision to leave proved to him that I was willing to follow him no matter where he wanted me to go. And that I was willing to give up everything, my comfort zone and all that I had and lay it on a line for him. You know what? When you do that, God will use you in a powerful way. That's what faith is all about. I believe God. And that's what Abraham did. And look what God did through him. Next, number eight. Or where are we at? Number eight. Faith can produce a godly heritage. Look at these verses in chapter 11 and verses 11 and 12. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And she delivered of a child uh, when she was past age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the sea shore innumerable think about that you talk about our godly heritage and I go back and yes you can go back to Abraham Isaac and Jacob and you can see that these people that were well beyond childbearing age God through a miraculous uh, um, 
event that took place in an undertaking caused their bodies to become able to have a child again. That in itself was miraculous. But when you talk about a godly heritage, think about these two when you think about who we are. If you're in Christ, you're Abraham's seed and you're an heir according to the promise. You realize their faith, the faith of Abraham and Sarah affects our lives here today. Think about that. A godly heritage. We're part of that godly heritage. And your children are part of that godly heritage. And there is nothing in the world more important than that because nothing is more important on this side of heaven, on this planet called earth, than life itself. And so every single one of us born in this world, we're going to spend our eternity either with God in glory or in a place of suffering forever. What's more important than have your whole family in the kingdom of God? They raised up a godly heritage by faith. That's why he's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and it goes right on down the line and aren't you glad that you have your family saved and if your family member is not saved you've got a right to go before the throne of God and say father you said I and my whole house would be saved and so I'm, I'm coming before your throne and I'm going to lift up your word before you and believe that you will speak to the hearts and minds of my loved ones to bring him into your saving grace and God wants us to be the one to do it praise God to raise up a godly seed and heritage Next, number nine, faith views life from the eternal perspective. These are just aspects of faith. Look in the book of Hebrews, next verse, chapter 13, verse 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Notice this, they saw them afar off. That's vision. That's looking beyond the now and putting life in eternal perspective. And we're persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is an heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. You realize he has that prepared for all of us? Think about it. Living our life in the eternal perspective is powerful and motivational. Those that believe that living life on this earth is all that there is will be sadly disappointed on the day of judgment when they realize the rule that they live by. You better just enjoy yourself, have a great life, experience all that you want now because when you die it's over. Well, I've got some news for them. It's not over at all. We're convinced, we're persuaded like these others were. We are convinced and persuaded that there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. And so faith says, I may not see it, I may not hear it, I may not smell it or feel it or anything, but as far as I'm concerned, it's real. It exists. I'm living my life to please the living God, no matter what. Someone says, you're going to deny yourself the, the, the joys of this life. If we're right, you... Really? I'm pretty happy. I'm experiencing joy unspeakable and full of glory. But if we're right and they're wrong, they got a sad scenario coming up. Isn't that true? So faith takes things beyond this realm. Praise God. Number 10, faith holds nothing back. Think about this statement. Faith holds nothing back. Look at the next verse. 
17 through 19, Abraham. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence he also received him in a figure. This is a powerful message in itself right here. He held nothing back. Can you imagine a person being so convinced, so persuaded, and someone who believed in the integrity of God in such a way that he would be willing to sacrifice his son on the altar of sacrifice to prove his faithfulness to God. Yet he did. But he did after realizing that what God said he had to honor. And if he killed him, God had to raise him up from the dead. And he told his servants that went with him, we're going to go worship and we're coming back because God had to raise him from the dead. You talk about powerful faith? It's called perfect faith. He exhibited and demonstrated perfect faith. Faith that sees the end result before it ever happens. And you know that you know that you know that you know it and you're so convinced of it that even if you had to kill your child, God had to raise him up from the dead. That's a powerful, powerful testimony. But faith doesn't hold anything back. What do we have to offer? What do we have to give? Aren't you glad all you have to give is your sacrifice of praise? Not offer up your child. Just offer up your sacrifice of praise from your heart with gratitude and thanksgiving from the depth of your soul to God for who he is and all that he's done for you. Amen. Next, faith goes beyond death. What about that statement? Faith travels beyond death. Next verse. Look what it says. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, Blessed both the sons of Joseph and worship, leaning upon the top of a staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. What's all this telling us? The patriarchs of old believed in passing on the blessing. And before they died, they would lay their hands upon their children and pronounce a blessing upon their lives. And they were convinced that their faith would travel beyond the grave. And you know what the Bible teaches us? In the book of Revelation, you can read it for yourself. In chapter 5, our prayers are captured in golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints before the throne of God. So that when we leave this realm of life, should Jesus tarry his coming, the prayers that we have prayed, the, the laws we set in motion for our children and children's children will still be honored on the earth while you and I have moved to heaven. And these patriarchs believed that. And the hand of God was upon their loved ones after they departed. It's pretty powerful, wouldn't you say? But is it good to know that even when you depart that your prayers are still being honored by God and your faith is still being honored by God in the lives of your children and grandchildren? Next, number 12, faith fears God more than man. Look at uh, verse 23, faith fears God more than man. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. So in other words, they risked everything to spare their son. They risked it all. If they were caught in doing what they did, they could have died themselves. But you know what? They feared God more than they feared man. Faith fears God more than man. In other words, I'm doing it God's way. You could do what you want to me. It doesn't matter. I am not going to turn away from God to satisfy some man. They saw that their child was a special child with gifts given to them by God and they saw to it that they were going to provide what was necessary for him to continue living his life when all these others were killed so God can fulfill his plan in their lives. 
Think about that. Parents that fear God more than man. Next, faith chooses the right path. Look at uh, the next verse. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible through faith. He kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. So what this is telling us is this. Moses had a choice to make. He could choose this world with a fence around it. He can choose to stay in Egypt. He can choose to live a life of luxury. He can choose fame, fortune, success, and everything else that came with the position that he would hold. But he chose not. He chose not the easy path. He chose not to live his life for fame, fortune, and success according to the worldly standards. Didn't Jesus say, what's your life? If your life is made up of the things you possess, well, guess what? That's not what life is all about. What would it do you? What good would it do you to gain the world and everything that is in it and lose your own soul? He said, no, if you want to live life, then you've got to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Give it all up. Forsake it all. And the beauty of it is this. When Moses, after 2,000 years, was on the Mount of Transfiguration, in all that glory, Pharaoh was 2,000 years suffering eternally for his behavior, his actions, his choices, his decisions that he made. Faith looks beyond this world and all the lure of this world and all that it has to offer and says, I live to serve God. I live to please God. I choose God. I refuse the world and everything that is in it. So you know what? We're not moved by any of this, the treasures of this life. It's okay to be blessed. It's okay to have things, but it's never okay for things to have us. Amen? Amen. Next. Faith chooses the right path and then faith also looks for the miraculous. Look at the next verse. Verse 29. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assaying to do were drowned. Here we have the Egyptians, or the Egyptians following the Israelites. Yeah, there's going to be some rough paths to take along the way. They get to the Red Sea. One of the mightiest miracles took place right there at the Red Sea in all the Bible. As they stood there. They stood there and it seemed like that they were defeated. The enemy was behind them. There was no place of escape. But there they were. You know what faith says? It doesn't matter how bleak it looks. As far as I'm concerned, the God I serve is bigger than the problem I'm facing right now. I'm going to wait for a word from the Lord. And when the Lord said, just use the rod that you got in your hand, Moses. That's all it took. Imagine that. One statement. You've got the rod, use it. And the rod really represents the word. You've got the word, use it. He did. The water's being congealed, going across on dry land, but positioned in a place where they could cross the Red Sea, the only place where they were at where they could cross successfully because of the contour you know, of, of, the, of the terrain. It was like this. But the one place where he had them cross, it was more like that. And they can cross successfully. What a miracle that took place. Why? Because they kept their eyes on him. By faith they believed so when there's no time to build a plane, 
There's no time to build a bridge or a boat. Believe God for the miraculous. And that's exactly what faith does. Next, faith brings down the walls of impossibility. Look at the next verse. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Faith brings down the walls of impossibility. If we're facing impossible situations, let us remind ourselves of Jericho's walls and how Joshua and Caleb raised up a new breed of people that would be silent and not say a word until it was time for them to proclaim victory in their lives. They weren't going to complain about it, squawk about it, murmur about it, and have a pity party and feel they were victimized. What they were going to do is just hold fast, keep silent, and be still and know that he is God. There's something to be said for that. You picture those walls as thick as they were, as tall as they were. You picture the warriors and, and the giants. And just picture all that. And if you only focus on that, you know you're going to be brought down. But I'm telling you, they stood there and they went around. They had the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of Almighty God. You know what? We've got something greater than that. We've got the presence of God on the inside of us. And he's able to do for us far more exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think more than what they, they could experience. In a greater way, he can move in our lives. But it's up to us to, by faith, look beyond those walls of impossibility and just say, you're no match for the God I serve. That's what faith is all about. You say, well, how? Who knows how? What way? Who knows what way? Does it matter? He said, just get your eyes on me. Just keep your eyes on me, and those walls are going to come down. Amen? No situation is too big for the God we serve. Next, number 16. Faith transforms lives and you've got to love this one look at the next verse faith transforms lives by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace notice that God says this was an act of faith she had some strikes against her she was a harlot strike number one she was a woman strike number two she was a Gentile strike number three that was her situation. But you know what? She said some things that were impacting to those spies. Where have you been and why has it taken you so long to get here? The moment you, were, you crossed the Red Sea and we know that your God fought for you. Everyone's heart melted. We were discouraged and we gave up the land to you and we knew that it was your land. Why has it taken you 40 years to get here? Now I know that your God is the God that made heaven and earth and I know there's none like your God in all the world. We concede the land to you, but let me, t- let me ask you a question. I'll help you if you'll help me. If you help me by sparing my family, when you come and take the land, I'm going to keep you safe right here. I'm not going to turn you over to the enemy. So they made a deal. And guess what? When those walls came tumbling down, archaeological discovery says this. There's only one section of the wall that remained intact. That was where her family lived. Think about that. Think about how precise God is. It all was destroyed except one little section of it. And that was where her family, they were all stayed up in that one house. And they were all kept safe. What a faithful God. Amen. But it transformed the life of a harlot. Think about that. Into a God-fearing, respectful individual. 
So faith can transform any life. And her life was transformed by the power of God. Next, uh, number 17. I love this one. Faith empowers flawed people. It does. It empowers flawed people. Think about the life of Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. Every one of them had their flaws. But the anointing of God, the power of God upon them, enabled them to do great feats for God. If God had to wait for all of us to be perfect, to do things through us, he'd wait forever. But thanks be to God, no matter who we are, with the flaws that we have, the characteristics that we have, whatever, in, you know, anything that we have in life, you could say that would, maybe you think disqualify you from being used of God. I'm telling you, God can use anybody if they're willing to be a vessel to be used. You don't have to wait to be perfect. You have to just be willing. And if you're willing to let God use you, God will use you in a powerful and mighty way to do great and mighty things as he did through these individuals' lives as well. Now notice the next one. Faith overcomes the odds. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 33, it overcomes the odds. This is basically just aspects of faith that we see throughout the entire book, or entire chapter of chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews. And these are some aspects that we can take each one and study them out. And I'm telling you, it will build our faith to, to a higher level. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises. These are flawed individuals as well. Stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in flight, turned to uh, f- flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. These all accomplished these feats. How? By faith. And so you can say it like this. Faith overcomes the odds. Think about Jehoshaphat. Think about David. Think about Daniel. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the list goes on. But Jehoshaphat is facing three armies. It's an impossible situation. The odds were against them. You think about David facing Goliath. Maybe a lion and a bear. The odds are against him from being victorious. Think about Daniel being thrown into a lion's den. Hungry lions. Very hungry lions. The odds are against him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If you don't bend and bow, you're going to burn. Going through a burning fire furnace. The odds are against them. And it goes on and on. By faith, we are told that these individuals face situations that were seemingly impossible. But you know what? By faith, they rose up victorious. By faith, they overcome. They overcame every situation. And what does the Bible teach us in 1 John 5 and verse 4? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our, what? Faith. Faith. It's our faith that overcomes the world and everything that is in it. We can learn lessons from these individuals. And that's why it's listed there. And that's why chapter 12, those first three verses said, listen, follow their example and see what they did. Learn from what they did because you've got your own race to run. You've got your own fight to fight. You've got your own course to finish. And if you get weary along the way, then look to Jesus. You've got all these other ones that are in the grandstands of heaven that are speaking to all of us here tonight and saying, look, we did it. We didn't bend. We didn't bow. We didn't burn in that furnace because God delivered us. He is faithful. I was in the lion's den, but I came out because God is faithful. I withstood a lion and a bear and and a giant because God is faithful. We overcame three armies coming against us when we were no match for them because God is faithful. And we believe God. And as a result of their faith that was on display, what happened? They were brought to victory. 
and not defeated and didn't overcome, weren't overcome. Okay, number 19, two more. Faith is willing to die and oh my, my. It's willing to die. Look at the next verse. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Notice that, not accepting deliverance. Sounds like they could have had it, but they didn't accept it. That they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So in other words, these individuals were willing to be martyred for Christ. And that was their act of faith. There, was a, there were three girls and they were Muslims, practiced Islam. They, got their, they gave their hearts to Jesus. They were born again. They got saved. But they were found out. They were taken to trial. And they were told, told, if you don't recant, if you don't renounce the blood of Jesus Christ and all that the Bible stands for, then you'll be put to death immediately. To the girls, in fear of their lives, did that very thing. They took the Bible, said they renounced Christ, and they spit on the Bible. The third girl was told, you do the same thing and you live like these girls live. What are you going to do? She took the Bible picked it up and looked at it. She got her dress and wiped off the spit. And she said, Lord Jesus, I can imagine that they would do that to your holy written word. She refused to renounce. They put her to death. We said, see, you and I don't face that challenge in this country. But they do other places. That's exactly what faith is all about. She refused, even if it meant her life, to renounce Christ. Faith is willing to die a martyr's death. And oh, there are so many others. There's a, you can read the book of martyrs, but you can also get the magazine that talks about martyrs, that people have been burned at the stake and, and just suffered violent deaths, but they refused. Their faith took them to the grave, yes, but a better resurrection that's why we've got these individuals right now. They're basically like suicide bombers. They drive their cars full of dynamite into buildings. Why? Because they believe they can obtain a better resurrection by offering their life for the cause. Well, the sad part about it is this. They're doing that thinking that their works is going to get them into glory. But you know what? They won't. But these others... They said, take my life. I serve, I serve the living God. I know where I'm going. And they have a better resurrection. The others, sorry to say, they're lost forever. Sad scenario. And finally and lastly, what we discover is this. Faith is what unites us all together. Faith is what brings the whole family together. And look at the verse. The last verse. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. You realize that if it were not for us, they wouldn't be made perfect. They need us and we need them. They offer the foundation that we need. 
a foundation for our faith that we can see as we go back and look over all the years of people that were faithful to God and how they used their faith to please God, to serve God, to walk with God, to honor God, to stand against opposing forces of darkness and, and be victorious and overcome. We see the foundation that was laid for us and that's what we're called, the seed of Abraham and those that are of faith or blessed with faithful Abraham. But they need us because you see without us it was in vain, it was useless. But because we've been born again, they didn't get that. Washed in the blood, filled with the Holy Ghost and power. They're made perfect. This really is the life of faith. This is called living by faith. And you know what? I don't know what it does to you, but it takes me to another level where I begin to think just how spoiled we are in this country. We don't face those kinds of challenges when it comes to our faith. Think about it. But they did. And there are examples. And they're in the grandstands of heaven. Honestly, how would you react if you were one of the three to be thrown into a burning, fiery furnace? How would you react if you were to be thrown into a den of lions? Be ripped apart, ripped to shreds by hungry lions because you prayed. All you had to do is close your window. But not Daniel. Wide open. Go ahead. You think you're going to take my life? My God's bigger. Or a David before a Goliath. He was no match for Goliath. And the list goes on and on. We don't have those kind of challenges. Oh, we may have different challenges, but nothing like that. So what does faith say? I see beyond this natural world that I live in. And I know that no matter what I face this side of heaven, the God I serve is greater and bigger than any opposing force. And by my faith, I can overcome every obstacle. I can rise up above every temptation. I can be victorious in every area of my life. All I have to do is believe God. I believe God. You're greater than my problems. You're bigger than my situations. Can you say amen? Can I have a witness? Let's all stand together before the Lord. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, if you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God, toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound, and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first, and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you, and God loves you, and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. 
I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.